You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Fired Up Broncos podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach Seegers, and joining me today, I've got Carl Dumler of Mile High Huddle over there at Sports Illustrated uh, joining me on the show. Find him on Twitter at Carl Dumler, M-H-H. That's Carl with a C, Dumler with one M. Uh, Carl Dumler, MHH on Twitter. Uh, also follow him over at the Building the Broncos podcast. Uh, great insight, um, especially when it comes to team building stuff. And because of that, what we decided to do is look at the AFC West, uh, specifically on offense, and go position by position and rank you know, how the Broncos compare to the other AFC West teams, the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders, at quarterback, at running back, uh, with the pass catching group, so wide receivers and tight ends combined in one there, and then along the offensive line. Um, and this will also tie in with an article series I'm doing over at milehighsports.com. So if you want a little uh, uh, longer look at each of these position groups, you can head over there. Um, but without further ado, let's get right into it. And now I'm here with Carl Dumler of uh, uh Mile high huddle, Carl, and of course the Building the Broncos podcast. Carl, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. We are just a couple weeks away from football being back on a training camp. So, man, uh, I hate this time of year where we have this little break from football and football news. The only thing coming out is like bad news of players getting in trouble, but uh, we're almost past it. And I'm so excited for that. And I'm just excited to go talk some football here today with you, man. Yeah, same here. No, no kidding. I'm excited to get, you know, some normal uh, uh, football coverage because that stuff. Uh, not to get too deep into the weeds, but man, some of the some of the the other football news is is getting real depressing. But uh, on a, I guess a lighter note, it seems like we might be coming to an end of you know this Broncos ownership drama, which has really been a a problem for the franchise for the last decade plus, maybe. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, the latest news there? And uh, do you have a desired owner in mind, future owner, that is? Well, I'll start with my, my thoughts on the last 10 years. It has been frustrating because I do think the Broncos maybe would have made a couple different moves if they did have a real owner that pretty much kind of forced their hand, which could be good or bad. I mean, we, we've seen with Jerry Jones, sometimes that can be really bad. And he needs somebody to kind of step in and say, Jerry, just sit down and be quiet for a second. Uh, but on the other end, there's times where it's really great to have an owner that steps in with contract negotiations and says, you know what? We're done. We're, we're getting this done. Get this guy signed. And uh, so not having that, I do think, has hurt the Broncos. And I do think some of their money flow problems have led to certain players getting away that could have been real helpful through free agency. Uh, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm ready for it to be done. I'm ready for the whole Bolin family with all their drama to be out of the news. And, here, you here. know, I, I don't know if you follow John Bolin. 
on anything? Oh, I mean, I don't follow him, but I'm aware. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, it, it's bad. It's real bad. And uh, so it just, however it plays out, I'm, I'm glad that we're finally coming to the end of some of this. If I'm being honest, at this point, as much as I have loved Pat Bolin, I mean, he's been the perfect owner, guy that does everything possible for the team to win. It's time for the Bolins probably to be done. You know, I, I think Brittany can be a good owner, but he, the the problem still remains. The Bolins are cash poor compared to other owners, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're still billionaires, yeah. but, uh, but they're, they're cash poor, and it does hurt in some of the contract stuff, and especially – when you're looking at how contracts are are being made today with a lot of them starting to be almost like fully guaranteed or getting at least above the 50% mark. I mean, we just saw Taylor Moten get what, like 43 million in guarantees. Oh, yeah, I didn't see the guaranteed, but it was a, a big old contract. Yeah, it, it was, it was at least half of the contract, if not more. And uh, th- that's kind of the problem is the way contracts are set up. You know, you have to have that guaranteed money in the bank day one whether you're handing it to them that day or not. And the Broncos just don't have that ability. So I, I don't mind the idea of them being sold. Uh, personally, if I'm looking at what would be best for the Broncos, I, I do think it would be a Peyton Manning-led group because Peyton loves football and he's going to love this team and he's going to do everything possible to get this team to win. He loves Denver. He loves the fans. I, I mean, it just I think it would be a match made in heaven if they can get it done. But it, it's hard to see how that's going to work when you got these other guys who are just an individual billionaire that can step in and say, I can own it all by myself. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, one of the people who is rumored to maybe be in the running for some NFL team, maybe it's Washington, maybe it's Denver, as uh, the richest man like in the history of people. So it's yeah. it's tough, tough to compete on that front. I I'm a fan of the Manning thing, too. However, the counter, and I think it's a, it's a fair one, because I think just about everything you said, you know, love of the city, a, a deep passion for the sport, um, you know, a deep knowledge of the sport, um, you know, competitiveness, et cetera, et cetera, uh, also applies to Michael Jordan. And he has not been the best owner. <laughs> so that would yeah. be my, my one counter. But I... I honestly, the, the kid in me is definitely hoping that Peyton, Peyton wins that bidding war. Yeah, I, I think one big difference, Peyton does a great job of like listening to others and building relationships. Michael Jordan, I, I mean, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He is one of the biggest jerks in sports. That's and a great he, point. He, he'll admit it. Like he'll just say it. Yeah, I'm a jerk. <laughs> That's who I am. I don't know how to be anything else. And, and so I do think that hurts him sometimes in ownership where Peyton, he is just a, a thinker. And like I said, he he wants to have the smartest people in the room with him. He always challenged coaches, from what I understand, like, hey, be smarter than me. He, he would mm-hmm. pretty much tell them, like, that's what I want from you. And uh, so I think there would be some differences, but I, I do question a little bit. I mean, obviously, John Elway struggled to find a quarterback. Is Peyton going to have yeah. that same problem? You know, you're always going to be looking at somebody that's like you. And uh, John Elway always liked the – the big, strong-armed quarterback, not afraid to go throw it into some tight windows, and that has not worked out well. See, now you've got me really scared because you've got me thinking, 
at least John Elway's mold, what John Elway was going for, I'd rather be drafting those type of guys yeah. than I'd be drafting the Peyton Manning types, like the Mr. Cerebral, I'm going to beat you. before. I just think that's so difficult to translate from the college to the pro game. Because yeah. So what have you done for me lately, league? And uh, uh, those those types of quarterbacks struggle early on and often don't have the time to uh, develop that mental advantage. Right. Um, well, I guess kind of uh, uh, transitioning into the quarterback position, I'll, I'll try to do this. Uh, <laughs> uh, for this week's show, we'll be looking at the AFC West, going uh, uh, kind of position group by position group. Um, you know, we won't be ranked in the four left guards or whatever, but uh, uh, bit by bit, um, ranking in the AFC West, how do the Broncos stack up to their division rivals? Uh, quarterback, I think this is maybe the easiest one. Um I guess, you know, we probably both have the Broncos fourth, but where do you, I guess, have the other three quarterbacks in the division? So, obviously, Patrick Mahomes has to be at the top. I mean, it's hard to argue with him being the number one quarterback. I hate saying that. I mean, it it really is. I mean, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth just to even think about that. But uh, it's the truth. He's just that good, and he's going to be around for a long time. And then I'd put Justin Herbert second. I think Derek Carr played a little bit better than him last year. But if I'm looking at like going into this 2021 season, especially after what they've done, I know we're going to talk about a little bit of the offensive line. Like, you could make the argument that no team improved their offensive line more than the Chargers. It, it mm. was it's pretty good. And yeah, they, they did. Corey Lindsley, uh, Rashawn Slater, Christian Darrisaw, or no, Rashawn Slater. Yes, that's who yep. it was. Yep. And uh, so. They, they've done some some nice things there for him. He's still got some weapons that he can throw to. And I just think Justin Herbert, he's smart. He's got a good arm. He's good under pressure. I think he finished number two in the NFL last year uh, for quarterback rating when he's throwing under pressure. And where, unfortunately, the Broncos had the worst quarterback when throwing under pressure. So it just, mm. you know, and that, that's part of the NFL today. You're going to be under pressure. What can you do yep. with it? So I'd put him number two. Then, yeah, Derek Carr, number three. And I do think I, I know I, I like Marcus Mariota too. I kind of wish that there was a way to trade him to to Denver. Wow! I think with I, this I roster, don't hate the take. I don't hate the take. Yeah. but man, I you just, are gonna get get ready on Twitter. Man. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I I mean I think Drew Lock could be better. Obviously, with this year, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier about some of Bridgewater's struggles last year and how much was that Carolina's coaching staff, some of the players on the team doing some not smart things. Uh, how much is on Bridgewater? Uh, we're going to find out, obviously, here pretty soon of what he could be. And I, mean, I, I like both quarterbacks for the Broncos for different reasons. and But yeah. they also both scare me to death, too, of that they could be the reason that this team absolutely fails this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. They're definitely fourth for now. I think there's a chance Locke could catch Carr, you know, that yeah. that uh, uh, leap everyone's praying for. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that can catch uh, Carr. Um, I think off like very, very small chance, maybe even catches Herbert if we see some of that Herbert regression. Of course, you talked about the, the under pressure numbers, which people yeah. circle a lot, um, though, hopefully we won't have to play under pressure as much. So it won't really matter, though. And it wasn't great, kept clean. But that's that's a whole that's a whole other offshoot. But yeah, I've I've got a buddy who's a Raiders fan who always gives me a hard time. Uh, and, and it's like, yeah, Broncos have the fifth best quarterback in the division. And I'm like, ah, 
Might be true. Might be true. It, yeah, um, yeah. Mariota looked good last season. Um, yep. Yeah, I've got the exact same rankings as you, though, one through four. Uh, I, I do think we see Herbert progress in some ways and regress in others. And so right. I think it kind of balances out. Like, he's not going to be that phenomenal deep again. I don't think, like, I, I think that's not replicable, but he's going to progress in other ways. Um, right. So the, the Lombardi hire is a little concerning. Um, at running back, what is your running back? Sorry, I'm all over. <laughs> what is your uh, running back list look like? All right. So I'd probably put probably Josh Jacobs at the top. I think he's he's not anything like just blow you away. He's going to be special, but he's good in all areas of, of football, rushing, receiving, blocking, you know, knowing what he's supposed to be doing. He's patient, uh, just just a really good all around back. And uh, I, I think he could maybe finish with some of the worst stats just because that Raiders offensive line is so bad. And we've seen that actually rushing stats have a lot more to do with the offensive line than they do the running back. So Josh Jacobs could be really hurt more than anybody else. And then I would go Melvin Gordon. Uh, I, I really, I think he's one of the more underrated Broncos. I know everybody got mad because Philip Lindsay is a fan favorite with, with good reason. He was a good player, but I thought Melvin Gordon, especially second half of the season just was phenomenal. He played like a top 10 running back. He made plays that, other players were just not making. I mean, he was getting hit in the backfield and taking it from a five-yard loss to a 10-yard play. And, uh, you know, obviously the the fumbles were a problem. He's got to clean those things up. But, again, another all-around player, good blocker, good receiver, good running back. And and he's going to have a nice little one-two punch, obviously, with uh, with the Broncos taking, an, uh, taking Williams. I'm very excited about that one-two punch. Really, before you go uh, uh, further into your rankings, how do you see that uh, one-two punch shaking out? You know, uh, uh, the, in terms of touches splits, you know, snap splits, and then also as the season progresses. Well, I, I think the nice thing is the Broncos are going to be a run-heavy team this year. Like, I, I think you could see 50-50 of pass and run splits, which is pretty unheard of in today's NFL. Yeah. A lot of teams are getting closer to that, like, 60-40, 65-35 kind of area like the chiefs are and uh, but right now with the the two-headed monster that running back where both of them have some power both of them have some receiving ability you don't know what you're doing if they're going to pass or or rush with them on the field um it, it's just a, a nice little combination there between the two i i think early on obviously you're going to see melvin gordon more than javante williams just the veteran you, you trust mm-hmm. him a little bit more to be on the field and protect the quarterback and do the right things uh, so I, I could see where it's more of like a 60-40 split in carries to start off the season and get closer to like 45% for Melvin Gordon, 55% for Javante Williams by the end of the season. Because Javante Williams is built for like December in Denver. Yeah. You know, when it gets cold. I, I hear that. And uh, teams are not going to want to tackle that guy when it gets cold. I, I could see it kind of being similar – to what we saw last year, though, flipped where, you know, you've got Gordon coming in as the incumbent and he's got the job early and he looks like maybe the better back early. But then kind of like you're saying at a point, Williams overtakes him last year was Gordon yep. overtaking Lindsay, but starts looking like a top 10 back and you're heading right. into next season, feeling really good about um uh, where you're at. I just I'm not the biggest Melvin Gordon believer. I, I like what we saw down the second half of last season. And I, I agree with a lot of what you said. 
But that second half of last season is such an outlier in like the last three seasons of his career or not such an outlier, but it is a, a bit of an outlier. Yeah. And running backs tend to not have sudden upticks at this stage in their career. Now Broncos offensive line a lot better than the Chargers offensive line. You hit that offensive line point um, already talking about Josh Jacobs. Uh so I don't know. I, I think William steals that job sooner rather than later and, and doesn't yeah. look back. But Yeah, and and maybe this is more saying the Broncos running back room is second in the division because yeah, most teams yeah. are going to that two-headed attack with the with the way things are set up. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of me having them second over like an Austin Eckler and a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, yeah. Because I just trust those guys, you know, at least you have a good backup that's going to be able to come in and get you quality snaps. So your run game is going to stay solid throughout the entire game. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, sorry, who's your three? Okay, then it'd be Austin Eckler. I, you know, I I go back and forth on him because I, I like his game because he fits today's NFL with that quick scat back that can really get out there and make plays in open space. And I think, what did he have? Like 1100 yards of offense last year, 1150 yards, something like that. Something like that. And he missed a good bit of time. Right. And he, I think he had something wrong with his shoulder for pretty much most of the season. So to put up those kind of numbers with being hurt like that, not bad, <laughs> especially with that yeah. chargers. Again, that offensive line was terrible last year. Going to be better this season. So he's going to have a really good chance. And, uh, I, I like I said I like his game I just I really struggle to see if he's going to stay healthy if he's your true featured back at that kind of size we saw it with Philip Lindsay like I love Philip Lindsay but him as a featured back is always going to be a struggle of whether he's going to last 16 games for you that's fair that's that's a good knock I do have Eckler as my number one back because okay I think uh, he is built so well for the modern. NFL game and he is smaller but he also can run with power kind of like Lindsay and you know it's tough the the first season he becomes the feature back is the season he suddenly has injury problems but I don't know I still have the injury knock I, I gotta be honest is one I didn't consider but I just think he is of the backs in this division best suited for the modern NFL um yeah. I like Jacobs, but he kind of stepped back a bit last year. And it's concerning to me that you need to find another running back. And like you said, most teams now are going to that two-headed system. But it's not like the Broncos where, yeah, Melvin Gordon can do it all, but you've got Javante Williams who can also do it all, and you can keep those guys fresh and wear the yeah. defense down like that. It's You need to find a pass-catching um, uh, uh I don't know. I'm trying to think like a partner for him yeah. in the backfield. And, you know, at, at what point does that become a tell for your offense where it's like, okay, Josh Jacobs is, is, the, is in the game. They're probably not throwing a ball to the running back um, versus, you know, the, the Kenyon Drake's in the game. All right. Yeah. Um, but we both have the chiefs fourth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Thankfully the, the chiefs have been other than, the drafting of Patrick Mahomes, they have been terrible with their first round picks. You know, they traded obviously for Frank Clark, and that is looking more and more terrible and paying him a big contract on top of that. And then taking a running back in first round, I think I think you're on the same page that running back yeah, in the first are. round is not always a, a great investment. 
And, uh, you know, I understand Rarely the Chiefs. Ever. Yeah, I understand the Chiefs wanted to add more explosion to their offense. But Clyde Edwards Slayer is not an explosive running back. So he doesn't really threaten people a whole lot with some of the things he does. Obviously, being injured last year didn't help. So he's kind of in and out of the roster. He looked lost at times on the field. He, he just looks like a, another average running back. And for, for the Chiefs, I mean, is it Damian Williams last year was their, their starter? Yeah, yeah. Damian Williams kind of took over as the season went on. They had Daryl Williams in there for a stretch. I think yeah. Lev Bell even had a game, maybe maybe against the Broncos. Yeah. But um, but anyway, all, all of them, if you look at their numbers across every game, like they pretty much stay similar. It doesn't change yeah. no matter what running back you put into that system. They're going to get their numbers just because everybody's going to be afraid of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Or Kel- how do you say his name now? Kels? Oh, yeah. Is it Kels? I've heard Kelky. I've heard Kelsey. <laughs> heard. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever his At name is. Point. Yeah. Travis. Travis. Yeah, we'll go Travis. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it just, like I said, he's just kind of another running back. I, I don't see him as anything special. The other guys, I see at least adding a little bit more dynamic ability uh, for different reasons, obviously, with Eckler being a little bit smaller scat back compared to Javante Williams, who can just run over people and really break tackles, has that great balance ability. Josh Jacobs with his vision and just patience and stuff like that. So, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, thankfully he's fourth in the division. You know, if he was first, man, that Chiefs offense would be even more unstoppable than it already is. Yeah, and I think that was the fear when they took him in the first round and why some people were okay with it. You know, you saw this Chiefs team and was like, oh, they've got such a strong roster, they can maybe afford to do it, and it's another weapon you now have to deal with. But now all these problems on the roster are cropping up, and it's like, would have been nice to have a first-round pick there. How long do you think that decision to select uh, Clyde is going to hurt the Chiefs or haunt them? Well, for a while. I mean, that that defense right now looks worse and worse, especially if you're going to be missing Frank Clark for any kind of period of time, possibly even the season. Uh, Yeah. uh, Matthias getting older. How much longer can he play at an all pro level? Cornerback wise, you got maybe one decent cornerback and the rest of them are not looking all that great. Linebackers, not great. Uh, So there's just you got Chris Jones. And a, and a really good safety. So you got two players and then kind of a bunch of role players that, you know, if, if they didn't have that offense that was winning games with 35 points, teams would be lighting that defense up like crazy. And yes. uh, they are helped by being able to pin their ears back and just know that the, the offense is going to support them well. And, you know, offensively, Kelsey is a year older. How much longer can he play at an elite level? Uh, that offensive line is being rebuilt. But that right side still looks pretty darn terrible. And, you know, I mean, they still got good receivers, obviously. But even there, you got more guys that are just speed than actual true receivers other than Tyree Kill. The depth's been gutted a good bit there at, yeah. at, at the receiver group. And, you know, you hit the point with Kelsey, and, and Hill's nowhere near as old as Kelsey. But for such a, a speed-reliant player and, – and He's talented in other ways, certainly, but yeah. such a, a quick twitch speed, that's the, the core pillar of his game. Tough for players like that to age gracefully. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they, they fall off a cliff. They, they yeah. really do. 
And like, would I bet on that happening? No, I think Tyreek Hill's going to be a monster this year. But that's to your point. Yeah, they're going to fall off a cliff. I don't know if we'll see that Hill yeah. one coming. You could also go the way of Deshaun Jackson and be around in the league for way too long because he's got good straight line speed. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, on that note, though, overall pass catchers. So uh, a kind of lump in wide receiver tight end um, together here in terms of pass catching groups. How would you have uh, uh, these four teams ranked? I mean, the Chiefs are still at the top because they have the best wide receiver in the division and they have the best tight end in the division. Waller is getting close, but but still the, the Chiefs up there with those two weapons and Patrick Mahomes and what he can do of dancing around, letting them get open. Uh, you know, they have enough other complimentary players that it, it balances out that they're still at the top. I think Broncos have a chance to really overtake them if the players live up to their potential. That, that That's always that's the big thing with the Broncos offense. Uh, you can look at this roster and you can say, I'm excited about all these young players, but we don't know if Jerry Judy's going to take that next step. Maybe he is going to yep. be more of that 900 yard kind of receiver every single season that's going to struggle with drops. We don't know. I mean, he had some troubles with drops in college too. So I I do expect that he's going to still be a guy that you're going to get used to at least five to six drops a year. He's going to try to just make too many plays at times. Uh, We don't know if Sutton's going to come back and be what he was before. And KJ Hamler continues to struggle with injuries. Noah Fant has been banged up at different times throughout his career. And uh, so, I mean, I, I love the group. I mean, if I was banking on a group to really just take that next step, it's that Broncos pass catching weapons. But again, they, they just have to go out there and actually prove that they can live up to the hype. And uh, so I, I would put the Broncos second just because I, I like Keenan Allen. I mean, I think he's the number two receiver in the division, but they they don't have much beyond him. Like Mike Williams is a red zone threat. Not much more than that. Yeah. And uh, good. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. The chargers are just a one man show. And then you've got Mike Williams. There's the, the, the deep threat, but yeah, I've got the exact same one, one, two, three as you. And I just, sorry, I wanted to hit on the chiefs point really quick. Um, with Hill and with Kelsey, I think that's two of the uh, uh, most unstoppable or most like um, uh, uh, fearful weapons in the NFL. Like there aren't many guys who when you're matched up, like even, I don't know, like Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams, they're exceptional receivers, but they're not, they don't affect the defense in the same way that a Hill or a Kelsey do where it's just, right. how do you stop them? And I think that's, right. Yeah, until we see the drop-off, Chiefs have that. And Broncos, they could be so far here. But that potential to overtake the Chiefs, I think, lands them second. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at – I know a lot of people point to the Super Bowl of look how the, the Bucks did against Kelsey and, and Hill. And I'm going – Kelsey still had 100 yards, 100-plus yards. And he had two big drops that he could have really had, I mean, almost a 200-yard game if you really look at what they could have done. And uh, and that was with their offensive line playing terrible. Patrick Mahomes having one of his worst games of his career. And so uh, even there, even though they have great linebackers, they still couldn't. They, they contained him. They didn't really stop him. 
And that, that's the yeah. best you can really hope for against those two guys is just to contain them from completely taking over the game. And yeah, there, there's no other players in the division that you could sit there and say, yes, that's exactly what they do. I think Jerry Judy has a chance to become that kind of guy, but just because his route running is outstanding. Uh, you know, I'd still say Keenan Allen is top three as a route runner in football. Jerry Judy, yeah. I think, could really overtake him quite a bit this year. We'll see. Um, but beyond that, it's Cortland special. Sutton is unstoppable in certain ways, but he's still more like your prototypical number one. Yeah, your your prototypical X. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree on all those points. I'm in lockstep there. Uh, I think there's kind of the two tiers, and, you know, you've got – for at least for me, Chiefs Broncos in that top tier, and it's you know the Chiefs are the established group. They've done it, and the Broncos are forecasting and potential. Yeah. And then that second tier with the Chargers, where yes, Keenan Allen, I think he's he's great, you know, but the injuries have long been a problem for him, and you know those don't get lesser as you get older. And he is you know in his 30s now. Uh, Mike Williams, you say he's just like a jump ball guy, and you know how how or I guess he he can go deep too, but you know he's he's a guy. He's yep. not offering much more than that. And then I think there's a, a good drop off behind them in terms of talent. Um, you know, losing Hunter Henry at tight end hurts there. Um, yep. You know, Eckler probably is that number two pass catching option. Um, right. Behind Allen, but otherwise, what do you think about this assortment of Chargers fast catching down? Yeah, you're right. It just when when your running back is number two, unless their name is like Christian McCaffrey, you're probably not too happy about that. Uh, yes. there, there's like three running backs that you could sit there and say, I don't care that they're my number two or my number. Maybe they're my number one. I'm good with that. But the rest of them, you're, you're not quite there. And Austin Eckler, like I said, he he's a great running back and he's fit for today's game. But he's still limited compared to like a Christian McCaffrey, a Saquon. He's not a game breaker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a lot more game breakers when I'm looking at like the Broncos roster that you can sit there and say Cortland Sutton can be a game breaker. Jerry Judy could be a game breaker. KJ Hamler could be a game breaker. Noah Fant could be a game breaker. Like, uh, you know, Eckler, I think for the Broncos would be like a fifth option where he's number two for the Chargers. Yes. Yeah, that that that's very well put. Um, Jared Cook, I mean, he's been good in recent years, don't get me wrong, but the, the wheels got to fall off that train eventually and behind him. Trey McKitty, I, I don't know if you were a, a big fan of that pick. I, I was fine on Trey McKitty, but yeah. uh, Donald Parham. Uh, uh, just pulled up. I had to look at who else they had, and then uh, uh, in the in the receiver room, ooh. Josh Palmer, I know he was one of your sleepers, if I'm remembering right. As as a, yeah. or I, I I might be thinking of a, a Eric. Sorry, um, I think Eric Eric was big on Josh Palmer, but um, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, it, he's more of a developmental guy. I don't see him making a big difference this year. It, it's, I think they're going to be relying big on like Guyton again, and that's mm-hmm. just. If Guyton's a major part of your offense, you're not in the conversation with the Chiefs and Broncos. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, they, they've got to get some work done there to, to really set up Justin Herbert for the future. You know, that's one thing I love is when you see teams. I mean, I hate that I see it with the Chargers and I've seen it with the Chiefs 
you know, of building around your great quarterback, your young quarterback. Uh, they, they worked on the offensive line this season. I think next season you're going to see them really work on their weaponry to help Justin Herbert become all that he can be in the NFL. Yeah, I do think that's the the right way to prioritize it. You know, yep. get that strong line in front of them and then uh, then build the weapons up. Um, you have so you have the Chargers three and the Raiders four. I've I've got those two flipped. Um, though the Chargers or sorry, the Raiders weapons aren't good either. I, I should have been reading these off for the people listening. They've got uh, Rugs, Edwards, Renfro, of course, uh, Darren Waller at tight end, um, Zay Jones, Willie Sneed. Um, and John Brown as well in that receiving uh, receiver room. Yeah. Um, uh, wh- why do you have them fourth? I think a big part of it for me is because of Keenan Allen being that established wide receiver number one. Just I, I trust him a lot more than a Henry Ruggs being your wide receiver number one. Like I, I liked Henry Ruggs coming out. I don't think he's a good fit with Derek Carr and what Carr likes to do. And especially yes. now that they don't have a great offensive line in front of Carr, he is he's one of those quarterbacks. When he has a great offensive line, he trusts to be able to go deep. If he doesn't have that offensive line, he gets scared and he throws that ball quick. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it doesn't make him a bad quarterback. It just means that he has some limitations in his game. And Henry Ruggs, it's not all about going deep with him. But that that is a part that you really want to take advantage of is his ability to space out a defense. And if you don't yes. have a quarterback that can take advantage of that, it kind of limits what you can really threaten with. Um, so that's a big part for me. Henry Ruggs also, I just worry, like you said, those fast twitch guys, they do break down quickly. I mean, KJ Hamler yeah. struggling with these hamstring injuries doesn't surprise me. Henry Ruggs struggling with some injuries in his rookie year doesn't surprise me. You know, both of them or at least or Henry Ruggs had some troubles with that in college, too. And so I just don't know if I can trust him to be on the field for 16 games. Darren Waller, I mean, great player. One of the game-changing players that we, we're talking about here for yeah. sure. Um, but beyond that, Edwards, eh, you know, maybe could be yeah. okay. But it, it just there's a lot of limitations there. And some of it does play into, like, quarterback. Do you have yeah. a quarterback that can actually take advantage of the weapons you have? That's a good point. That's a good point. I think at just face value, I would take like the top two. It's tough. I think the top two for the Chargers is better. And you could maybe even argue that number one, but just, man, the drop off for the Chargers after those top two weapons. And I'm viewing Waller as, you know, the number one for the Raiders and, and Ruggs as that number two. Um, but I think the depth with John Brown and Willie Sneed, who like, I don't know, they don't blow me away. They're not exceptional talents. I'm not buying into the Zay Jones hype, but you know, if you are, maybe you list him in that mix too. And Hunter Renfro, I just feel like they've got more players where I'm not like, oh my goodness, such and such is on the field. Like, I, right. I don't want to be rude to him, but like Benny Fowler is just the name that comes to mind. Or just like, why yeah. is the, this like, man, we've got some depth problems if if this guy's good enough <laughs> a lot of snaps. And right. the Raiders just feel like they've got more. I mean, obviously, all these guys are NFL guys, but they feel like they've got more. I don't know. NFL NFL guys to me. And so, right. Right. I, I feel a little more comfortable having them there. Right. I, I always ask the question, how many of these guys would make another roster? Because some yeah. some guys make a roster just because they have no other option other than to put this guy on there. 
And then others that, hey, it's tough. I mean, Broncos wide receiver room, it's going to be tough to make that final six or wherever they're going to cut off at that point. Maybe they go seven this year just because it's so talented of a group. You know, cornerback is another group for the Broncos. It's going to be tough to figure out where is that cutoff point. Uh, then there's other positions that you're going, oh, yeah, um, like safety. <laughs> like yeah. after the, the, the top two, it's kind of like, oh, that doesn't look all that great. Uh, so each group has those depth issues. And you're right. I, I think the, the Raiders are deeper. I, I think they have some guys that can actually go out there and make some plays for them. And they've got higher upside because Henry Ruggs could turn into something great in the NFL. I mean, he mm-hmm. could become one of the biggest big play players in the league. Um, I, I guess I'm just a big Keenan Allen fan. I do I like that. this game. I, I yeah, I, I just it's hard for me to get past him just because he's put up so many great numbers throughout the years. Um, but you're right. There's He is breaking down some, and maybe he won't be able to last the season either. So I, it's really close between those two. I hear you. This is, I guess, part of the running back conversation, but also part of the pass catching one, I think. How do you envision Kenyon Drake's role in this offense being? Like, do you think he's on the field as the the or at the same time as a, a Josh Jacobs? They talked about, you know, signing him into this Joker role. They're kind of trying to, uh, which is how they justified the, the more expensive contract they gave him. And, yeah. uh, you know, of course, they tried to get, shoot, I'm spacing on the Kentucky player's name right now, Lynn Bowden, um, yeah. into that Joker role. What do you, I don't know, what do you envision that being in this Raiders offense? Well, first off, I would say John Gruden is not the most creative play caller out there. Like, he, he does some di- different creative things early in the season where he looks at other teams and says, hey, they did this. But he doesn't keep doing it throughout the season very well. That's why you see the Raiders usually start out pretty hot and then cool off as the season goes. Um, but also, he's never really been brought into this new school way of thinking, of trying to just get playmakers on the field. He, he's very traditional in a lot of things that he does. And so I see him struggling with that idea. I, I think there's – like the, every team says that. I remember last year, everybody's like, oh, Broncos are going to get Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay on the field at the same time. I think there's like maybe five snaps the entire season that they did that. Yeah. That, that, and, you know, and it, it, some of them were probably the game where Lindsay was taking an emergency quarterback. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> every team says they're going to do things like that. And then they really don't because it just, it's hard to cross train some of those players. So you, you've got a few players that can do it. I mean, I keep coming back to Christian McCaffrey. He's a guy that they love to move out to the slot so they can have two running backs on the field at times and because he can do those kind of things. Um, but the, there's about, like I said, three, four running backs that you can be okay with that. Kenyon Drake is not one of those guys. He's okay. But there's a reason that he was on the open market. And, I mean, he made okay money. But uh, nothing that made you just go, oh, wow, this guy is going to go take starter snaps. And a lot of people are questioning, like, why would you even do this, Raiders? <laughs> you used a first-round pick on a running back, and then you go pay this guy. It just, yeah, they've and never been good. Above, sorry. Um, and pay him above market. Like, I remember reports about uh, the, the contract they offered him was, you know, a few million above or, or a couple million above what other teams were offering him. And they justify yeah. it with this, oh, we're going to use him in a joker role. But yeah. I think that just, to your point, John Gruden's offense is really old-fashioned. It's one of the more old-fashioned offenses yep. in the NFL. You know, McVay is kind of from that 
tree in in, in some ways um and there there's some similarities but it's like gruden is the 80s version or like the 90s version of that yeah. offense i I don't know. I struggle to see, to your point, how is he going to integrate a joker into it? I think it's just like third down back. He wants to be hip and trendy, and so he's just calling third down back joker um, to to make it cool. But I just – maybe a little elevated or glorified to to, uh, stroke his ego and make that signing not look so bad. But I – I think that's – yeah. They're not doing anything creative with it, I don't think. No. Well, and especially, I mean, Hunter Renfro, he's not a great player, but he put up decent numbers for him last year. I'd rather have him at receiver than Drake. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> my thought there. Like, who are you taking off the field to have Drake on the field? And uh, you, you said it, he could be a third down running back, which is fine. But I don't see both of those guys being on the field and you sitting there saying, oh, yeah, look at this. Look what we can do. They're just <laughs> not going to do it. Like I said, maybe five, ten snaps for the season if they can all stay healthy. That's my guess of what they'll do with that. Yeah, like even if you're running a jet sweep or I don't know, some other creative motion kind of thing, you'd maybe have Drake out there for along with Jacobs. Put rugs in that role. Yeah. On a bubble screen or like whatever it – uh, like, I, I can't even think of what it would be, but like, if it's a jet sweep, like, I'd rather have Ruggs do that than Kenyon Drake. Right. Even yeah. though he's a slider guy, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's so weird. I don't get it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, the rebuilt Raiders offensive line looks to be pretty terrible. Might be the, <laughs> the worst in the uh, uh, division now. How uh-huh. do you have uh, the four offensive line shaking out? Yeah, it, it's crazy to think just a few years ago, they were a top five off- offensive line in football. I mean, they, they were just, they were dominant. Uh, I remember one, one of the Broncos games where with Josh Jacobs, all they did was just hand it off and just run it straight up the middle. And Broncos could not stop it. Just five yards at a carry. And they won the game that way. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, it was boring to watch, but it was genius. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, they can't stop it. Keep doing it. But now, yeah, they, they are easily, the fourth best in the division. I I would put. Oh man. Okay. I guess I, I will put the Broncos tops because I do give Whoa. them the, the Mike Munchak bump. I like it. Uh, plus they are returning four starters, which no other team in the division can, can say that kind of thing. And consistency in the offensive line is huge because communication is just, just about as important as actually doing well once the ball is snapped. And, uh, you know, I, I expect Lloyd Cushenberry to be able to take a decent step this year. I know a lot of people are like, hey, put minors in there. <sighs> it is hard for a rookie to play center. I mean, Lloyd Cushenberry, he was putting in a, in a no-win situation last year. A rookie with only Division three experience and only right. Division three experience at guard. I believe, right. Unless they transition some, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I haven't watched his whitewater tape because it's so hard to, to come by. Right. So I, but I'm pretty sure he was just a guard there and he moved to yep. center for the senior bowl. He did. Which, right. I, like, don't get me wrong. You learn how to play a position and like he, he was great at the senior bowl, but that's very different than right. what your responsibilities are as a center in an offense you're playing in for 17 games where you're, you know, calling protections or setting protections, right. all that. Yeah. Yeah. 
a lot of, I mean, I've been to the senior bowl. A lot of what they do with the offensive line is like one-on-one drills and trying to see, Hey, can you hold up against a defensive tackle coming at you one-on-one? And if you know, Hey, this is the guy, that's it. I don't have to worry about blitzes. I don't have to worry about them. Um, you know, doing any kind of special packages here, any twists, anything like that stunts. Yeah, that's easy. Just man on yeah. man, I'm gonna outmuscle you. That's that's what Miners yeah. is good at. And, and and it's not surprising. 99th percentile athlete, according yep. to RAS score, relative athletic score. Right. And uh, so I, I'm excited for him, just not this year. And so I do expect Christian Barry to uh, stay the starter. I expect Glasgow to have a nice bounce back season. I mean, he was borderline top 10 guard before this last season. Had a really bad injury to his ankle and got covid um and you know i i, I guess i'm making excuses for some of his struggles this last year but you know throw valid. yeah throw in rookie center next to you right tackle was rotating of we didn't know who was going to be starting each week that's that's a no-win situation for him as well and uh so i expect like i said broncos offensive line from left tackle to to right guard i expect it to be a very solid unit Right tackle, we're going to have to see. We don't even know who's going to start there. I expect Bobby Massey, but I, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, second, I'd probably put the Chiefs just because they've got some high-quality names with like Joe Thune and um, Orlando, Orlando Brown. Brown. Yep, those are, are two solid players. Um, Brown, I do question a little bit going from the – run heavy offense of Baltimore to the pass heavy offense of the chiefs. Like his strength is his strength, <laughs> his ability mm-hmm. to get downhill and just run people over. That's not going to be the chiefs. It's a lot more finesse. It's a lot more actually having to, you know, pass block for a long time. Keep your feet below you. Um, be smart with what you're doing. We're, we're going to see how well that works out. I, I understand why the chiefs made the trade. I just think there were yes. better left tackles for what they want this season than Orlando Brown. Yeah, there's a reason they wanted Trent Williams. You know, yeah. like uh, uh, instead that was you know option number one, and then backup plan was Orlando Brown, and it could work out great. You know, you could have a young franchise left tackle for a long time, but. I also think this could come back to really, really bite him. Of course, there's the draft capital. And if he's just an average left tackle, like that's good. You're keeping Mahomes healthy. And I mean, he's he's the franchise. So that's the number one goal. But yeah, he it's one of those situations we've seen with Jamal Adams or, you know, Jalen Ramsey. Once you make the trade, you've got to back up the truck um, mm-hmm. and, and pay him the money and. Man, how much draft capital and then the, the, the financial capital you're putting into right. Orlando Brown, like he has to be a top five, top ten tackle. Um, and, and meanwhile, you've got the Broncos with the Bulls, and if he maintains his level of play, that's one of the best bargain contracts in the league. It's it's fantastic how that kind of worked out um, unintentionally for him. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I, I kind of you, – you swayed me. I think the Broncos have the uh, number one offensive line in the division. I wouldn't have said it, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the flaws with the Chiefs are more glaring, um, as are uh, uh, the flaws with the other teams. Um, so we both have Broncos one. I'd say, yeah, Chiefs two with, with Thune. I think he's a big difference maker. Right. Uh, do you have Chargers three? Yes, yep. 
I, I was a big Rashawn Slater fan. I think he's going to be a very good left tackle there. Uh, they added Lindsley to that center position. I think there's a really good argument that he was the number one center in football last season for Green Bay. And getting that nice veteran for a young quarterback and for a young offensive line like that, very good. And then Bulaga at right tackle, if he can stay healthy, he's a good right tackle. So you've got three pieces there. The guards, big questions. Yes. And if I'm if I'm any team, that's exactly where I'm attacking the entire game, getting pressure right into uh, Herbert's face and saying good luck. Um, so they they still got some work on that offensive line, but they at least have three pieces that I'm sitting there saying I like these three. Yeah, guards a massive uh, concern. They've got Ode Abushi, Matt Feeler, um, Tyree St. Louis. <laughs> I got, sounds like a. a a player out of a Key and Peel sketch. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, guard's a big concern. I do think they're building that line the right way, though. Like, you get um, established starters in uh, Lindsley and in Balaga, and I think Lindsley is going to improve uh, the play of that whole offensive line. Like you said, a, a top, top, top end center yeah. um, who can really just help everyone get in the right position and, um, you know, maximize their own traits. And then Slater, you know, Probably the most, uh, you might disagree here, but I'd say uh, the most pro-ready tackle in the draft, um, yep. you know, ready to come in and start at a high level from day one. Like you've got those three pillars, you know, there there are gaps in between that are problematic, but I feel good building around that for, for the future uh, yep. uh, and protecting Justin Herbert if I'm the, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yep. No, I, I think Lindsley might be, as much as I hate to admit this, that might have been the best signing of the division during the offseason. Just, yeah. again, I mean, getting that kind of guy for your young quarterback, for some of your other young pieces as well, like a Rashawn Slater, that can help him out. Uh, you know, there there were times where, like Garrett Bowles, he needed a veteran to really help him figure out what, hey, this is what your job is. Go get this one guy. That's all mm-hmm. I need you to focus on. And uh, he's finally figuring out some of those things as they go. But I wish he would have had a Lindsley when he first started coming into the league. So that, that's, a, that's a good one for them. But, yeah, Raiders, <laughs> there's hardly anything. Uh, it's it's scary. Uh, and I'm sorry, just really quick, before you get to the Raiders, I, I do want to ask, do you think the Chargers, by season's end, we could be talking about them as the number one line in this division? Because uh, the guards are a big question mark. Don't get me wrong. Slater, Lindsley, Bulaga, I think all those guys can be above average starters this year. Um, and if Lindsley helps those guards be average, like the, uh, I, I'm with you on a Glasgow bounce back. I think center remains a, a question mark it, for the Broncos. Does, yeah. And right tackle is a, a massive hole, maybe the biggest remaining hole on the Rodwell quarterback. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'd say even, you know, maybe you go, Teddy's a, you know, 24th best quarterback or so, 20th best quarterback or so. Yep. Is Calvin Anderson or Bobby Massey the 20th best right tackle still? I, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a chance that by season's end, we're talking about the Chargers is the, it feels weird to say because they're the Chargers and if they've been terrible at offensive line for the last decade, but could they maybe end up having the best line in the division? 
Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, Rashawn Slater, I think he's one of the few rookie tackles that can come in, play at a high level and, and handle his business. Well, I mean, in college, he played against some great edge rushers that are in the NFL now and dominating the NFL and he held his own. He did fine. And so I, I, I do, I think he'll have a, a decent transition into the NFL uh, and Lindsley just changes everything. I mean, it, it really does. And Blaga, if he can stay healthy, he's the best right tackle in the division. I, and I don't think it's close. I mean, I'll, you look at the rest of the right tackles, you're going, who? <laughs> Mike yeah. Rimmers, the only reason you know his name is because uh, of what Von Miller did to him in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that, that's about it. Yep. And uh, Chiefs are uh, Raiders with uh, Leatherwood, maybe. We don't even know who their right tackle is going to be this year. I'm not sure where they're yeah, going to play. Yeah, and that's if Weatherwood can play tackle. You know? Yeah. And, and let's get into that really quick because the Raiders, uh, you were concerned that their offensive line looks rough, and it was such a, a odd process by them because it's like, I don't know, that was this team's identity. It would have been like yeah. if the, the Cowboys following, you know, Zeke's, one of Zeke's early good seasons or like DeMarco Murray's big season were like, Let's just blow up the offensive line. like, And kind of, like, was yeah. Hudson worth that contract? And, like, did they kind of – I don't know. Were those – I just I don't get it. I don't get why they got rid of their two best offensive linemen. You're talking yeah. about how just a few years ago they could, you know, win games single-handedly like they did against the Broncos. The only big changes the, from last season, like, Incognito is a year older, but they mm-hmm. traded Hudson, almost yep. cut him, but then – Teams were like, wait, 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 we'll actually give you something for him. Right, yeah. And and then traded uh, uh, Gabe Jackson uh, to the Seahawks. And now, I mean, hopefully Andre James and Denzel Good can fill in and Alex Leatherwood can finally replace uh, Penn at tackle. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm not buying into this Raiders offensive line at all. No, not, not at all. I, I, like I said, Leatherwood, I didn't mind him as a player. But I had more like a late second, third round grade on him of a guy that you like to have as a depth player that can maybe become – but he's, he's slow with his feet. So he's limited on what how high he can become as a player. Um, Technically-wise, he was okay, but it wasn't like anything outstanding to help make up for his slow feet. And and then, yeah, just blowing up the rest of the offensive line. I already talked about the, the Broncos. When you don't have any kind of continuity – Continuity. There we go. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's not a good thing for the offensive line. They they have to play as a unit. One through five. That's yep. why teams can take advantage of your your weakest link. And right now the Raiders have four weak links. So it, it's yeah. kind of a hey, where do we want to attack <laughs> more than anything else? Yeah, it, it's it's bad. I mean, incognito is holding on for dear life at this point in his career. John Simpson was one of the like worst guards in football behind him. Um, So if he has to come in Denzel good, I think that's a fine, um, you know, fill in. Uh, There's lots of injuries on that line last year. So good played a a bit anyways. and might have, well, might've had some chemistry if they kept some of those pieces intact. Like if he was just filling in for incognito, it'd be like, fine. But, yeah, the Leatherwood pick, I think you uh, said it great. He can't move, and you had him as like a second, third-round pick. I had him as a second-round guy. If the Chargers took him, I'd be like, oh, g- good pick. He can come in and be like a solid 
guard for you day one. Yep. Um, they're asking him to be a right tackle day one, and they don't have a good safety net behind him. Yep. I mean, Brandon Parker um, and Sam Young, I guess, are their two guys that, that were playing snaps. It looks like they've also signed a player named Jared Jones-Smith and Beverly Hamilton as a college free agent. I, Yeah, yeah that's... When, when half the names you just listed have me going, who? Yeah, that you even know, is like I don't recognize them as college prospects. Right? That's, yeah, yeah. John Simpson, and, I do, but he's been a bust as a fourth round guard. He's busted. Right. right. And so yeah, all all there. It just leads to, and especially like I said, Derek Carr. His game is he needs good protection in front of him. He does not do yeah. well pressure in his face. And so the Raiders just I. I mean, I'm glad that John Gruden is like blowing up that organization and just making them uh, like good enough not to be so bad that they can go get a top quarterback, but like not good enough, obviously, to go and do anything. Just right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so thank you, John Gruden, for doing that. But you you just sit there and say, what is your plan? I I don't see any kind of plan. You look at their defense and some of the players they've taken. I'm like, they don't make sense for some of their systems that they run. Uh, They keep changing DCs anyway. So it's kind of hard to even get any kind of consistent play out of any of those players. Uh, It it just, the whole thing, I'm just going, man, you guys kind of suck. And and contracts (laughs) you keep handing out. You know, they keep handing out all these bad contracts. And like Derek Carr has had to cover up a lot of really bad yeah. And uh, that's why he's a good quarterback, but he's just he's not enough to make up for all the bad the the coaching staff and the management staff have been putting him through. Yeah, I think he could have a great second act if they move on from him this year. And, you know, he signs some discount deal, you know, somewhere yep. for maybe it's twenty five million again or twenty yeah. million again. And it kind of uh, all of a sudden Derek Carr and his contract can become a strategic advantage for a team. The right. last point I want to hit on uh, on the offensive line, going from Rodney uh, Hudson to Andre James, uh, reportedly they're really happy with Andre James and like him a lot. Um, I haven't seen enough to comment on if he's good or not. But Rodney Hudson, like we talked about it with Corey Lindsley, Hudson brings a lot of that, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think, like the uh, the tide that raises all ships. He, he right. brings a lot of that. I wonder um, – how does Colton Miller look now without him? And, and Miller's a bit of a veteran at this point, so you don't think it'd be an end-of-the-world drop-off. But Alex Leatherwood, I bet, would look a lot better with you know Hudson there making the calls right. than Andre James. Um, Denzel Good, how good does he look? Uh, no pun intended. But uh, I'm running long, so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap us up now. Thank you so much uh, uh, for joining me, Carl, and being so generous with your time. Uh, tell the people uh, uh, where to find your work and uh, where to follow you, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, well, thank you, one, for having me on here, man. Always love talking football with you, and uh, it's just always a good conversation. So always, yeah, thank you very much. You can find me, my work over at milehighhuddle.com part of sports illustrated and then you can find me on twitter at carl dumbler mhh and uh usually i mean i think we're pretty active on there we like to have a few <laughs> conversations with people yes and uh so yeah just come on over there uh any any football questions anything um i'd love to talk about it yeah he, he's one of the best at engaging so make sure you go over and uh, uh go back and forth with him there um but until uh or sorry thanks so much for joining me and until next week let's stay 
fired up. 